And I have to say, I was a little bit nervous because, you know, we kind of get into this routine as a local preacher and it's all the same. And it's just lovely that you have such diversity here. I thought long and hard, actually, about coming up to this top pulpit. But now that I see we've got people up there, I'm pleased I did. Because uh, I don't feel quite so remote. However, my text, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap is holiness and the result eternal life. What's the meaning of holiness? Any offers? What's the meaning of holiness? It actually means set apart. Set apart and separation from all evil. Not only from the obvious evils, like breaking the law, and I'm sure we could all make a very long list of those really bad evils, but actually... Evil is anything that separates us from the Lord. That evil thought, the critical comment, the judgmental attitude, or just that little bit of gossip which we just can't help not passing on. I'm sure we're all guilty of some, if not all, of these evils. And of course, the evil one, he just loves it, doesn't he? He just loves it when we fail. But as Christians, although we are here in this world and part of it, we are actually commanded to be separate from all evil. Well, you may think, well, that's that's impossible. You know, but Let me just give you an example. In my days in hospital nursing, which was many, many, many years ago now, um, when a patient had a contagious disease, there wasn't the tent that encompassed the patient and the whole bed as there is nowadays, but they would be in a side ward. And there'd be a notice, possibly in red, Barrier nursing. And anybody who went in there, the doctor, nurse, would have to um, gown up, scrub up, don on a mask and protective gloves. They were completely protected from the patient and the disease. Now in the Old Testament, holiness was recognised as belonging to that which has been chosen and set apart. Set apart by God and to be given a character that conforms to God's law. God sanctified the people of Israel by separating them from all the other nations, all those nations of the earth as known then. Not only living a separate life, but bearing a character of that was different from the ordinary man. Now, my husband Michael and I, you won't know this, but they do at West End, we have a border terrier called Jem. 
have. Border Terriers are usually feisty little dogs, but Jen is quite different. She is very obedient. Whether or not she obeys Michael just doesn't come into it. He loves it a bit, but he's quite a hard taskmaster. When he commands me to be obedient, he gets a different reaction. I just say, woof. <laughs> As believers in Jesus, we are commanded to be holy. We're commanded to be holy. And the law that Paul refers to, it was the Jewish law. The Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. When certain rules had to be obeyed. But the New Testament has a quite different message. That is that we should repent, have a change of life, a change of conduct, and a new obedience to God. Then, as believers in Jesus, as our Lord and Saviour, we will come into God's kingdom. But that obedience is ongoing. It isn't when we first made that decision to give control of our life to Christ. It's throughout the whole of life. And we know to our cost that grim determination to overcome sin, it just doesn't work. And how often we fail. New Year's resolution is a very common uh, area, isn't it, for that? In fact, I don't know about you, but I don't bother to make them anymore because I don't manage it for a day, leave alone there, a change of life. But you know, Jesus understands our weaknesses. In Hebrews 4, uh, verse 15, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. If we rely on the Holy Spirit for guidance, as Jesus did, he will enable us to make the right decisions by surrendering our lives to Jesus. We are free from sin and we become slaves to righteousness. Paul urges us to present ourselves completely to God so that we die to sin and we rise to new life in him, saved not on how we perform, but on how we believe. Through Jesus, God gives us the power to follow his way and not our own. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. He was made perfect through suffering. Slavery was a very common, was very common in Old Testament times. In fact, uh, slaves were often quite well treated by their masters. But they could buy their fleece so and they weren't free. It wasn't a cruel slavery to the extent that it is nowadays. But they were enslaved, they weren't free. But they could actually buy their freedom by paying money to the temple. But for spiritual freedom, 
we have no price to pay. But we, Paul says in uh, Romans 6.22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have been become slaves to God, we have no price to pay because Jesus has paid that price. You will be sanctified now. Just as sinners, we're condemned to death. That is, separated from God. Now, we are condemned to be holy. Not a nominal holiness, not a a holiness when we come to church on a Sunday morning, if that's how we think of holiness, but holiness that affects all of life, every day, every hour, every moment of life. You may think, well, how can unholy believers be made holy? How can unholy believers be made holy? You may think, well, I'm not that bad, but nobody knows what I'm really like deep down inside. And the evil one reminds us, doesn't he, again and again of our past and present failures. But God is faithful. He's faithful. And he's promised to make us holy if we submit to him. Do we believe in his promises? Do we believe in his promises? No. <laughs> we need to have a constant dialogue, sharing everything with Jesus, so that righteousness becomes second nature. By surrendering our lives to Jesus and obeying his teaching, we are set free from sin and we become slaves to righteousness. In 1 Peter 2, verse 18, Peter calls on the slaves of his day to live in submission to their masters. The discipline of submission, it enables us to drop whatever matter that we're annoyed about and forget it. But so often we can't stand to give in, can we? Because it means that we won't get our own way. You know, when you think of confrontations at the traffic lines, or when somebody cuts in and the immediate reaction is to press your horn and let them know how annoyed you are. But of course, what good does that do? Getting cross with people. It's only in submission to God that we're enabled to bring that angry spirit to a place where it no longer controls us. We need an attitude of mutual submission to one another, which sets us free from that seething anger and bitterness when someone upsets us. We have uh, friends in Nurka where uh, we're fortunate enough to spend the winter in southern Spain. And they have been constantly provoked by their neighbours because they're Christians. I should say by their neighbour. They live in a terraced house, an end terraced house. And this man has parked his car so near the front door that they can barely squeeze to get past. And he's door paint all over the side of their house. 
And, you know, I don't think I could be as tolerant of this as they are. And there are other incidents, far too many to mention. But, you know, not once have they reacted aggressively. They have a constant dialogue with the Lord. And when you're in their company, it's not embarrassing. You know, thank you, Lord. And Lord, what shall we do now? And they just don't respond in an angry way. Yes, they're upset. But they believe in God's promise that he will sanctify us and make us holy. They believe that he will sanctify us and make us holy. The Holy Spirit, it provides sanctuary for those who walk the narrow path. To the right of the path is a sharp drop. It could be a tempting option. You could sail off the cliff and enjoy an exhilarating flight. But uh, not a good idea. I went on a skiing holiday to my cost. I deviated from the narrow path. And it resulted in a 11 days in hospital with a, a shoulder that was in three pieces. That kind of freedom has serious consequences when you reach the bottom. But getting back to the message, the left of the narrow path is equally fraught with danger. And those outside the church who are looking for faults may have a field day if we deviate from the straight and narrow. But we can become a new creation. God will make us holy through faith and union with Jesus, who has paid the price for our sins by his crucifixion on the cross. Through Christ Jesus, God will give us the power to follow his way leading us to eternal life, as from now. Not something that's going to happen sometime, we hope, in the future, but eternal life from now, this minute. In Romans 6.14, Paul refers to this power when he says, Sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. That is, undeserved favour. God's free gift received through faith in Jesus. By admitting our weakness and relying on God, we affirm his strength. Paul puts it so succinctly in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, 9 and 10, that he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And in Romans 8.1, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His Spirit gives us liberty. It's so simple. If we stay close to Him, then the business of choice doesn't come into it because we have been made whole. That is holy. Hebrews 6 to, uh, sorry, Hebrews 2, verse 11. Those who are made holy are one of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. 
we believe in Jesus, we are commanded to be holy. That involves submission and obedience to God's will, which will free us from sin's grasp. And when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we die to sin. We rise to new life in him. No longer slaves to our own will, but slaves to righteousness. And you know, God is faithful. He's faithful and he promises to make us holy. We will become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if I can just read to you um, a hymn by George Matheson, which is based on Mark 8.30, and it puts this message in a nutshell. If you can't remember anything that I've said, I think a lot of you will know this hymn. Make me a captive Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render of my sword, and I shall conqueror be. I sink in life's alarms when by myself I stand. Imprison me within thine arms, and strong shall be my hand. May we all stay close to Jesus. Amen.